So I want to talk about something that's kind of serious today, but I think you guys are going to understand it in a way it's hard for adults to sometimes understand this. And I want to ask, does anyone think it's really hard to see or know God? If, if you think it's hard to see and know God, raise your hands. Is it really confusing? Now, has anyone felt like they've been scared and God hasn't been there for them? I, I have. Now, I'm older, so I've had a lot more opportunities than you have to be scared. I'm going to turn 50 this year. That's half of a century. So make sure everyone bring cupcakes for me on that day. So, oh, uh, Adrian's like, no, don't bring cupcakes for my husband. He's worked so hard. So there's a story in Genesis about uh, a guy named Abram who became Abraham. He changed his name and his wife, Sarah. And they tried really hard to have babies and they couldn't have babies. Now, a lot of people talk about, like, you think when you read about people in the Bible that they're great people and they're heroes, and you think there's good people and bad people, but generally, there's broken people and more broken people, and Jesus is the good one, okay? So a lot of times, when we tell Bible stories, we think of people's heroes, but sometimes the people who did good things also did really bad things, really, really bad things, and what Abram did is he decided uh, to uh, try having a baby with another woman, his was his wife, because he wanted to give her the baby. And the thing was, it's really scary because no one asked this woman what her opinion was. No one asked it, do you want to do this? Because she didn't have any rights. She like was, she had no power. Have you guys ever felt like you have no power when you see bad situations on TV? What? When do you feel the most, what have you seen in this world where you felt you had the least power? Can any of you share that with me? Give you a minute to think of it. When have you felt like you've had the least power to change something? And we can be honest here. Someone's crying. I think when, when people are hurting other people and I hear about it after it already happened on TV, have you ever felt that way? or on the internet, like someone, a group of people hurt someone else and you wish you could have stopped it. Who feels that way, you adults? We've seen a lot of that on TV. And sometimes we feel like we don't have power. Now here's something that's really scary, guys. I wanna get down, I don't know if we'll be on the camera though, but I wanna kinda kneel down here. Some people think to be power, when you really have power, that's because you're obeying God. And if you obey God and follow God, you'll have all the power. And you know what? And then there's some people who teach about God, who have a lot of power, that say really unkind things about God. And there, in fact, in our country, there's a lot of people that are really mean, unkind, and hateful, but they also think they're experts on God. And I wanna tell you something, guys. You guys don't have a ton of power right now in the world. But you guys can be the biggest experts on God there is and know more than people who think they're God experts. Because you don't have power, you have genius. And the Bible teaches that. You can have spiritual genius. And people who have power, even like people who are older or who have businesses or people who have jobs, like I can think I do have certain kind of power that you don't have. But you, I have to work harder to know Jesus than you do. Did you know that? 
So I want to tell you something that happened to Hagar. Hagar, then Abram's wife, Sarah, eventually had a baby. And Abram got so mean. And he said, forget you, Hagar, and forget your baby. I've got my own baby now. Get out of here. And they were homeless. Can you imagine? And her baby was actually still in her tummy at that time. um, Can you imagine mom is nine months pregnant and thrown out into the desert with a baby? Is there anything scarier? Can you imagine being a mommy, being in the desert with no way to feed your baby? And Hagar thought she was dying, because she was. Hagar was dying. This woman, like everyone who'd be thrown out into the desert, even if you weren't pregnant, didn't have a baby, everyone would die. And then she cried out, and she was thinking, I can't, I'm just going to lay here and let it happen, and I have nothing I can do. And then God spoke to her, and God provided her water and food. God, so Abram, who was supposedly the representative of God, actually represented evil by kicking her out. And this woman who had been so much pain, who had no power, just like kids, and a lot of times don't have power, she's out in the desert. God provides for her, and guess what? This woman gets to do something that is the first time in human history. Do you know God has talked about in the Bible, up before the Hagar story, but he never has a name. God is just God, but he doesn't have a name. No one knows his name. In fact, many people say to even speak the name of God is impossible. But God seems to really love it when people give him names, when they're good names. And Hagar is the one who's allowed to give God a name. What do you think she named him? Hagar, what do you think Hagar called God? God? Okay, that's one idea. Anyone else? She actually gave him a long name. His name was, you are the God who sees me and gives me water. How's that for a name? What's your name? I'm the God that sees you and gives you water. Now, this is, isn't that kind of a weird name? But her experience of God wasn't, you're the God who hates me, and that's why you've let me be rejected. No, her name for God was, you see me, and you take care of me. How's that? The very first name God gets is, you're the God that takes care of me, and you see me, you notice me. Have any of you ever felt unnoticed? Like, have you ever been to a party where a bunch of adults are there, and you just kind of feel invisible? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, two of you. I'm an adult, sometimes I wish I were invisible. It's kind of weird. Uh, Anyway, so can I tell you what there's interesting about this story? Here's something I just found out this week when I was doing research. Do you know in the ancient world, people believed in all kinds of different gods? Do you know there was like thousands of different gods? And the difference between all those gods and the God who sees you and gives you water, the difference is this. The God who sees you and gives you water, the rest of the gods are, I don't care about you and I will destroy you, and I can't, don't care if you starve to death unless you hurt someone in my name. Unless you hurt someone, and then I'll say, well, you hurt someone, you're kind of cool, I'll take care of you. So people thought, we're not going to have good crops unless we hurt someone really bad. Isn't that crazy? In every other religion of that time, it, God never was saying, be good. God was saying, make me do what I want you to do, and I might be cool with you. 
And you know who the most powerful of those gods were that they thought was? His name was Marduk. Can you guys say Marduk? Marduk. And he had another name. The read Bible stories, he later on kind of changed into a god called Bel or Baal. Who Israel would oftentimes try to worship that god and God would get really upset. And Marduk was a crazy... You know what Marduk had on top of his head? You don't know, so I'll tell you. He had eyes all around. He had one eye here, one eye here, one eye here, and one eye here. And the idea was Marduk sees everyone. Marduk is the god who sees. And you know what the idea was? Marduk sees you, and you better watch out. Marduk's got you on a list. You better do something. You better get powerful and show that you will use your power to hurt someone else so you can be just like Marduk, and then Marduk will be cool with you. I mean, oh, isn't that terrifying? Like, what if you grew up believing there is an all-powerful God, he sees everything, and he's just waiting to beat you up unless you beat someone else up? This is like world history. This is what people believed 4,000 years ago. A lot of people literally believed that. And so Hagar came from a culture where everyone was afraid of Marduk. And what does she do? Marduk is like the powerful God who will zap you, who sees you. And she goes, uh-uh. You are the God who sees me. You are the God. Not Marduk. She was essentially, you are God and not Marduk. You see me and you give me water. And guys, I think a lot of people, when they talk about the God in the Bible, they actually talk about a God who's like Marduk and not the God that Hagar was talking about. What's it like that God sees you the way Hagar saw God? Can you get down? Can you get with that? Is that a better idea? Which one sounds in your heart that might be what you were made to experience? Were you made to experience a God that wants you to get power and hurt other people so he won't hurt you? Who thinks you were made to be that person? Who, do any of you want to be that person? Who thinks God is a God who sees you and wants to care for you and provide for you and give you superpowers to care for others? You know, we, that is our mission as a church. We want to be, a, uh, we want to live like Jesus because God if you want to know anything about God, he became Jesus so we could understand it. And we want to gather a community of people that are in love with Jesus, and we can look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you see me, and you give me water when I'm thirsty. When people make fun of me, you see me, and you're my friend. When, when I feel like I don't understand something in school and people think I'm dumb, you see me, and know you've given me a special kind of brilliance. When you've, has anyone ever felt lonely? What's this idea that God actually entered a situation through Jesus where he felt lonely too? So not only does God say, I want to be your friend, but we believe in a God who sees you and says, I know just what it's like to be lonely. I know just what it's like to be lonely. This is the kind of God of the Bible, but people who have power can read the Bible, and we have a way of, do you know what a Rorschach test is? I know, I'm just, it's a test where people have a big blot on paper. Guys, the adults are getting a short sermon today. Uh, a Rorschach test is where you see a blot on paper and people say, what do you see? And someone says, I see my mother, or I see Voltron, or I see, 
I see transformers or I see a flower. And they're supposed to be able to tell something about who you are by what you see. Well, the Bible is like a Rorschach test. So if you, if you are a bully, you might see God as a bully. Like the way we interpret the Bible, a lot, anytime we interpret it in a way that takes us far from Jesus, we're doing it wrong. And I, w- I just want to tell you guys, because you guys don't have a ton of power now, you can read about Jesus and you can hear Bible stories and you can say to him, you're the God that sees me and gives me water. All right? And the word actually, you want to know what the word she said was? I'm, this is hard for me to say. It's a hard word. Um, it is beer lahoy roy. Can you say beer? Beer lahoy lahoy. It's like ahoy, mate. Lahoy roy, like Roy Orbison. Beer lahoy roy was the first name that a human gave God. So you, when you pray, I mean, you're, I, I'm not going to remember this. I have to look at my eyes, but I'll say, oh, beer lahoy roy who showed yourself to me in Jesus. I need some water now. I want, can I tell you a little, kind of something about me? You, I might be different from you, but one thing is, ever since I was a kid, I've really struggled with just being sad, even if nothing bad happened. I would wake up in the morning and I'd feel like crying. I'd wake up and feel lonely. And then I went to school, and I was kind of a weird guy. I, walk, I, I still walk real, I walked really funny, and I was scared of things that would move towards me. So you know how people play football and baseball and stuff like that? I was frightened of footballs because I, not the face, not the face. So back in the olden days, if you were like that, you weren't going to be very popular. So I would wake up sad, and then I would go to school and feel sad. And it wasn't until I started having dreams. When I heard Bible stories, I started having dreams of Jesus loving me and being in my corner, and it started to change everything. And I'm still a frightened person about, and I still struggle with getting sad. You know, I go to a doctor that helps me because my body makes me sad sometimes, like the way my body works. And God has kept me here for 50 years, and I'm full of joy. Peter, you were, by the way, Peter helped me mow the lawn yesterday. Peter and Vincent, we talked about the new 21 Pilots video. Vincent brought me gasoline. It was two-stroke fuel in a standard fuel engine, but I think the carb cleaner will work. But we got all this place cleaned up. Did you, Peter, you are awesome. Do you know, Peter, I want to say, God sees you. What do you think God does when he sees you? Smile. God smiles. We're going to remind you of something. I want everyone to repeat after me. God smiles when he sees Peter. God smiles when he sees Peter. That's who God is to you. And Vincent, and by the way, that's true for everyone. But I wanted to specifically remind Peter today. So guys, I want to pray a prayer. And all, you guys can pray with me if you want. You can even repeat. This isn't a magic prayer or anything. But I want to say, I, if you can feel what I'm saying, you can pray with me. What's this? God, you're a good father. God, you love me even if other people don't like me. God, you've seen me every time I cry. And you're a God who cries too. 
you love everyone so much you even love mean people. And that was a hard one to say, wasn't it? It's hard for me too. And here's what I'm going to say. God, thank you for giving us Jesus so we could know that this is true about you. And I want to start talking to God using the name Jesus now. Say, Jesus, I want to be kind and loving like you. I want to be able to be brave when people are horrible, like you were, Jesus. Jesus, while there's a lot of bad people that are going to try to control me, I want to obey all your good ideas. That's a long sentence. Jesus, help me obey all your good ideas. Jesus, forgive me for every time I'm unkind. Take my whole life to do fun stuff, loving others for eternity. Help me to understand you, obey you, and have fun following you. Amen. All right, that was easy. So you guys can go sit with your parents, or you can stay up here. It's kind of cool to have your own space, right? So guys... We believe at Central Vineyard that there is a God, and he looks just like Jesus. And any powerful person that uses the name Christian that says something that don't sound like Jesus is actually speaking for the devil. Okay? Can we just say that? Uh, People who care about status more than service are really sad people. And, you know, we have this all over the church, because guess what? The church is made up of people. The church is made up of people, and how many people have experienced someone who, who is a Christian telling you you're not good enough and you're pathetic in one way or another? Raise your hand. So the rest of you uh, didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we... So, today's talk, why is it so hard for us to see God? If, if, it's hard to see God. It is hard, hard hard to see God. And one thing the Bible teaches, it's not popular, it says to be rich, to have power, to be treated better than other groups of people are treated. We call that privilege. When you get treated one way and other people get treated another, when you're like that, it's hard to see God. This idea is the more power we, and by I'm talking this, if any of you know someone who is poorer and struggling more than you, that means you're rich to them. If you know anyone who is worse off than you, that means you're rich to them. Not saying that a lot of people, a lot of folks, a lot of us have something we desperately need for God, but everyone is someone else's rich person. Can you? So if that's the case, the more power and privilege we have, the foggier it is for us to see God. It's like we're going through this immense fog and we can kind of make it out and we move towards God. But if you are lost in the fog, let's say you're walking somewhere and you hear someone's voice. And that voice says, hey, are you lost? I hear you walking. You say, yeah. He goes, well, come over here. If you just come towards my voice, you'll be able to see clearly here. And this is a safe place. The other places are not safe. If you go the other way, you're going to fall off a mountain. But come through the fog to my voice and you will be safe. If we have a guide through the fog, 
we can still find God. And the Bible says, who is most likely to be able to be a guide in the fog? And this is, uh, and Jesus preached this sermon probably hundreds of times, but we're going to talk about the time in Matthew 5. Here's how he talks about the people that can see through the fog, okay? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom is theirs. Blessed are those who are mourning. They're going to get comforted. You know the way to say blessed are those who mourn? Blessed are the ones who've been through trauma. For God's going to address their trauma and heal them. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know the people that don't want to be in charge of everything? They're actually going to be in charge of everything. Wow. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know righteousness? Righteousness, we interpret that as a righteousness in American Christendom is do everything right, don't fail anything, be perfect, and then be able to point fingers at people that aren't. When the Bible says righteousness, the actual word also means justice. That means everyone is treated with fairness and love. So, bless those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. God who seeks and saves that which is lost. And guess what? People who are filled with the righteousness of God live life very differently. They don't objectify people and use people. They don't treat uh, uh, people they find sexually attractive as objects to use and consume. There are so many different ways people live who are committed to justice. We don't just say, don't, 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 don't this. We pursue justice, and it changes everything about how our relationships work, our marriage work, our generosity work. I'm going, okay. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who's painting a picture that says, uh, uh, coloring a picture today that says, blessed are the peacemakers? Daniel, I, I know uh, we've got the Johnson kids. I saw them. We handed out a coloring picture. Blessed are the peacemakers means the people that can clearly see God are the ones that want to help people love one another, not the people that are all about war and conflict. And this is what it said to me, and I read this when I was a kid, and I was bullied a lot of times by people who said they were Christians. In fact, the worst bully I ever knew in my life was a Christian school teacher. And I won't, I can't, I can't say certain things in a church service that he told me about myself. He told me things about myself that made me want to die. And it said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all evils against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because in heaven you got a great reward, and all the godly people got the same treatment. You're in good company. I kind of reworded that bit. So guys, I, almost everyone I've talked to here has been on the receiving end of some real evil stuff done in the name of Jesus. Can I just say that? All of us have been on the receiving end. But if we, you know, I, now I'm going back to say, but if we is the, someone else's rich person, everyone here is someone else's rich person, we can hear God if we read the scriptures through the eyes of those who suffer, 
not to the eyes of empire. Um, something happened year, many years ago. Roman Empire, right? The most powerful empire in the world. And there's this, there's this story that says Constantine, Emperor Constantine, had this encounter with God and became this amazing Christian person. And then when he went into the battle, he was under the cross. And he won all his battles and killed all these people because he was a Christian. And then he said, everyone in my empire has to be a Christian or whatever. And people say, oh, isn't it cool? Constantine accepted Christ into his heart. But I'll tell you what, I doubt people felt he was very Jesus-y when they were being destroyed by his armies. You know what really happened? Christendom accepted Constantine and Rome into its heart. What happened is people identifying as Christian, about half of the people in the world that said they were Christian accepted empire, coercion, control, and violence into their heart. And so I, 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 read, I was reading an article in the Huffington Post and this person was talking all about what Christians really are like. I said, no, you're talking about white male American Christians who think it's cool to not care about anything that God loves. I said, you're, not, you're ignoring all the African Christians, Central American Christians, Asian Christians. I kind of thought, you're being kind of racist. You're saying these American people can speak for Jesus? Come on. So I was, I've been reading Frederick Douglass's My Bondage and My Freedom. You know Frederick Douglass? He was a, a former black slave who secretly learned how to read and become one of the most brilliant writers of the entire 1800s. And try, I read Victorian era literature. I, I read it like I read Spider-Man. I mean, I've read every issue of Spider-Man ever published up until 1998. But, and I've read a ton of Victorian era literature. And I'll tell you, the best voice I've ever read is Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass grew up in slave states where everyone said they were a Christian. People would beat him with a whip till he had skin hanging off his back, and they, then they went to church. And Frederick Douglass ended up, if you read his book, uh, they don't, when they teach about Frederick Douglass in school, they don't always talk about how much love he had for Jesus. And when you read Frederick Douglass, you say, he, his theology of Jesus is something that took me 40 years to get to. He had a theology of Jesus that it took seminaries 100 years to understand. Frederick Douglass understood the love of Jesus in a way that people with power have to get a, a miraculous intervention to understand because Frederick, a slave, could not accept empire into their heart. A slave could not accept violence into their heart because they were the victim of violence. And here's something simple Frederick Douglass said that just blew my mind. Got to look for where I wrote quotation marks on here to find it. Okay, here's what Frederick Douglass said. By the way, My Bondage and My Freedom, get the audio book, listen to it when you're cooking patty melts for your family. It's awesome. Said this, I was just as well aware of the unjust unnatural, murderous character of slavery when I was nine, year old, nine years old as I am now. Without any knowledge of books, without understanding the law, not, knowing, not being an authority of anything, it was enough that since I knew God was my father, that slavery was a crime. 
Frederick Douglass knew God is a father, and he automatically had theology that, that no one else had. And you know, Frederick Douglass, a little trivia here, he's the most photographed person of the 1800s, not just because he was super handsome and studly. Frederick Douglass was the most photographed person in the 1800s, I think, is because more people had their mind and hearts challenged by him than any other single person alive for that hundred years. And kids, remember I was saying about not having much power? Frederick Douglass was a slave, and he became the most powerful teacher, teacher I think, in the 1800s. We don't need the power of empire to serve God. We need the power of the love of Jesus. So friends, uh, there's not a person here who's not been overwhelmed by someone's personality and steamrolled by it. There's not a person here that has not been lied about in one way, shape, or form. There's not a person here ha who has not heard a voice telling them you're not good enough. There's not a person here who has not suspected that they're not good enough for God. Now, Adrienne said something the uh, other week that might be controversial. She says, uh, we deserve God's love. And let me unpack that a bit. What it means is whatever God says is just. Whatever God deems worthy is worthy. When God loves something, it is lovable. And so from the perspective of God, if God says humans are my artistic masterpiece that I created to know and love and fellowship with me, then you're God's artwork. And God's artwork deserves to be cared for. God's artwork deserves to be restored. God's artwork deserves to be preserved. God's artwork deserves to be accepted. Not because we're perfect, but because God perfectly loves us. And if you don't think you deserve God's love, Jesus is the first to disagree with you. Amen? So I want to pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus, but I want to specifically pray a prayer to the Jesus who also could be called Beer Lahoy Roy, the God who sees me and gives me the nutrition I need, the God who sees me. So Jesus is the Beer La Rahoy in Marduk. By the way, the God Marduk is just like many presidents. The God Marduk is just like many military powers. The God Marduk is like every oppressive regime in every country. The God Marduk is like churches that seek to protect themselves instead of love the struggling. We see Marduk all the time. You just turn on the job. You see people who believe in Marduk who think Jesus is just another name for Marduk. But the God who sees me, the God who saw Hagar, sees you. The God who sees you is so grateful that none of your suicide attempts worked. You want to come up, guys? The God who sees you is so grateful that you're still vertical today. The God that sees you is so glad that you didn't let that horrible thing someone said to you define your life. The God who sees you feels all the pain of the sexual abuse you endured. The God who sees you has heard every cry and he's uttered in Jesus those same cries himself. So I want to ask, we're going to do communion.
But uh, I want to pray a prayer of commitment to that God, because a lot of us need to repent. And repent means to turn away. And what we need to repent for is believing God is more like Marduk than Jesus. So I want to lead, lead a prayer. I want to encourage you guys to bow your head, close your eyes, do that whole churchy trope thing. If you want to hold your hands out, that just holding your hands out isn't like Jesus in ten eye. Holding your hands out, saying, "God, there's nothing in my hands, and I need something from you." It's like a sign language prayer. Say, Father God, I want to turn away from believing you're more like Marduk than Jesus. Father God, I want to believe that you're the God that the powerless see clearly and the powerful see dimly. Father God, in every way I have power, give me voice to hear the powerless. Every way that I have power, give me voice and hearing to speak to the powerless and give me ears to hear the powerless. God, thank you for proving that love wins through bringing Jesus back to life after he laid down his life, taking the weight of all sin and evil on his shoulders. Jesus, that you endured every pain, every hatred, every accusation. You felt the consequence of every sin on your shoulders and came back. Jesus, I want you to be my king. I want you to be my beer lahoy roy. Jesus, I want to be someone that can be more and more like you. I want to be a beer lahoy roy. I want to be a person that sees the thirsty and gives them drink. I want to be a person that sees the orphan and gives them home. I want to see the person who sees the outcast and says, let's have dinner. Jesus, come and be my friend. Come and be my perfect father. Come and be my king. I want to be your hands, your feet, and your mouthpiece. I give my life to you, Jesus. I receive all your forgiveness, and I invite you to help me become a forgiver and slowly teach me how to love my enemies. My life is yours, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness, and I look forward to the rest of this journey. And I want to add, Jesus, if you're really there, Jesus, if you're real, I give to you every bit of the belief I have to you. I may have 5% belief or 90% belief. I believe you with whatever ability I have to believe and ask your spirit to teach me more. Teach me the ways of your love. Amen.